Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. You got a big dream board with like it's just got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. Let's talk Bills again. I'm Graham, and Eric's here as well. How you doing, Eric? Yo, what up, Graham? Yeah, third time's a charm, I hope. Things didn't go so well with the first two versions of this podcast, which we apologize deeply for. But Graham, what's the main issue here? Is it from our end? Well, I I don't want to make excuses because that's probably what it's going to sound like to our dedicated listeners. We did record two versions of this podcast previous um, to the episode that we're doing right now. And um, both times, I would put the vast majority of the blame on Spotify Greenroom. I don't know if you feel the same way. I do. I do. Spotify Greenroom seemed like a beacon of hope, you know, a, a chance to interact with our fans. Um, and almost have like a radio show style thing moving forward, but that doesn't seem like it's going to be the deal because uh, the service department there cannot find our previous two versions of this episode. So what we're hitting you with today prior to the game at one o'clock is basically an emergency mini pod where we are going to preview the Bills Dolphins game and uh yeah just try to get through that quickly and hopefully next week with our episode kind of give you some of the thoughts that we had about week one and other stuff maybe regarding the european league of football right graham yeah we had a lot that we said about the steelers game obviously i think a lot of bills fans had a lot to say about the steelers game so even though we're not going to mention it really in this episode um, we will probably throw some of that information into our week three preview episode. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. About. It's so unfortunate, too, yeah. though, because you especially. Oh, man, it was like I could feel the anger through the phone. And then we actually had the chance to get our first guest, good buddy Thomas, on the uh, episode to also talk about his impressions of the Bill Steelers game. He actually begged to come on because he wanted to get a lot of things off his chest. So maybe we can get him in next week too to uh, hear those thoughts once again. But it, yeah, again, sadly, the fires are going to be a little bit burnt out at that point, I think. Right. Yep. And there's also just something that feels so disingenuous about having the same conversation three times in a row. <laughs> I feel like I'm performing right. rather than actually just having right. a genuine discussion. Exactly. Um, but all of this we can lay right at the feet of Jekka and the green room team. Yeah. You missed out. You could have been in on the ground floor with this podcast. And when we're big, you're going to wonder what could have been. So <laughs> you've got that on your conscience. Shame, shame, Rejecca. Shame, shame. All right. Let's talk about this Dolphins game. Yeah. So what you want to do is go through, like we did with the week one game, uh, position by position, and yeah, say who has the advantage there, yeah? Right. Let's start with quarterback. Bills have Josh Allen, uh, MVP runner-up from year one, or well, from 2020, um, and a bad week one, I would say, from Josh Allen. And then the Dolphins, they've got Tua, Tua Tungo-Vailoa, 
a left-handed quarterback yeah. uh, who is going to be starting his 12th game, I believe, in the NFL. Uh, did not have a great game last week, but seems to maybe be the future star of the Dolphins' offense. Who do you think has the edge here? I mean, do you really need to ask? Like, it's Josh versus Tua, dude. Um, Tua was a baller in college, and it's kind of sad to see what he has been. So it's still really early, but it's a little bit sad to see what he's been as an NFL starter thus far, just because, you know, when he was in college, he, yes, was surrounded by an all-star team, but his deep ball was on point. And then you saw last week um, with him just trying to, what looked to be a throw out of bounds, getting intercepted because he didn't have enough oomph behind it. Um, But Tua, he's more of a pocket dude, especially after his hip injury. He doesn't seem to be super mobile. Um, And then he just, yeah, this is totally like a superficial thing, but he just looks funny to me being a left-handed quarterback, right? I think that's always going to be Yeah, I don't like watching left-handed quarterbacks. Something about that is weird to me. The only left-handed quarterback I remember enjoying watching was Michael Vick just because he was more like a running back with uh, a nice left arm. But right, um, yeah, Josh, no doubt, ten out of ten. Every time I pick, I take Josh over Tua. I agree. I'm going to give the edge to the Bills here. I think that even though Josh didn't have a great week last week, I think this is his opportunity to dominate a team that he has dominated historically since being the Bills' quarterback. So right. perfect week two bounce back game for Josh. Uh, skill positions. So the Dolphins went out and drafted Jalen Waddle. And Waddle looked really good last week in their game against the Patriots. They've also got a young tight end in Mike Jacecki, who looks really promising. Will Fuller, supposed to be their uh, second dangerous element of that passing attack, won't be playing for personal reasons. Yeah. Uh, so we get to factor that in, but they also have a former first-round pick in Devontae Parker playing wide out as well. They do have weapons. Um, but I think, in my opinion, I would take the Bills' receiving core over their receiving core, and neither team's got a real dangerous element at running back. Um, so I'm going to give the edge to the Bills. What do you think? Yeah, agreed. I mean, like you said, Will Fuller, I feel like if he were playing this game, that would change things. Um, Will Fuller is a total game changer, even though his hands aren't the most reliable. Dating back to his time at uh, Notre Dame, he's always been like a game-breaking receiver. So it's really... I think hamstringing the Miami offense, not having him on the other side of the field to take pressure off of the young rookie Jalen Waddle. Um, but yeah, no doubt the Bills receivers are better than the other guy that they're going to trot out in place of Will Fuller, probably like who Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant maybe. And even though I do like last week, give Miami the advantage at tight end. Cause I think Gusecki is just better than Dawson Knox uh, running back as a, strong win for the Bills, especially if Zach Moss is active this week. Right. So uh, in the offensive line discussion, we've got a group from the Bills that struggled mightily Mm. against a a dominant Steelers defensive front. Um, I do think that it's an opportunity for Daryl Williams and Deion Dawkins and John Feliciano to really prove that that was an anomaly and not going to be the norm moving forward. Um, but it was discouraging. Even in spite of that, I think I'm going to chalk that up to just a great Steelers defense and give the Bills the edge over the Dolphins' front seven, which features a rookie left tackle. Again, that's not a blindside left tackle because two is a lefty. And a very mediocre interior. 
um, that struggled against the Patriots. Yeah, agreed. I th- actually, I think it's kind of uh, mediocre interior versus mediocre interior in this position breakdown, but um, you hope that Daryl Williams and Deion Dawkins bounce back, like you mentioned, and I got to give it to Deion over a rookie at left tackle. As much as I like Eichenberg because he does come from Notre Dame, um, yeah, Bills, I hope that's just playing against an all-star pass rushing team like they did last week was their major hiccup the major reason for their hiccup and that they can bounce back but this is a young Miami offensive line they've spent a lot of draft capital on it um, and they're probably going to be really good soon but I think it's too soon especially with Eichenberg's first start agreed there let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball Um, I was pretty happy for the most part with the Bills defense last week I think the Steelers offense looked pretty dead in the water at a lot of times, and it was just their incredible playmaking receivers that were able to extend those drives and make something happen. Mm. I liked the way the Bills' defensive front seven played, um, and I think we've got the edge there. The Dolphins have Emmanuel Ogba, defensive end. He's pretty much their main threat. Um, But outside of that, their linebackers do not hold a candle, I don't think, to Matt Milano or Tremaine Edmonds, despite difficulties that they've had in the past and the rest of the defensive line is much more established for the bills so i'm going to give the edge to buffalo okay i'm going to shock you here graham because well spoiler or kind of inside baseball moment here but i did give the bills the slight edge here in our first two pods but i think i'm going to go back on that and give miami the edge here now because like I understand Matt Milano looks great on paper and people love Tremaine Edmonds. He's been to two Pro Bowls now, but they, to me, are like the definition of good, not great. And I feel like Matt Milano is way overrated. And I've always felt like that. I think you and I, I remember having a conversation about this leading into free agency last year. And I was kind of firmly on the side of let Milano walk if he wants the money that he got in the end, um, but to let him walk because it might be better to get a guy who I feel has not maxed out his potential, which I do feel is the case with Matt Milano. But yeah, I mean, the Bills defensive line is solid on the uh, other side. And um, I think that Jerry Hughes, while he hasn't shown so many signs of slowing down, he's like also the kind of guy who gets a lot of pressures and stuff like that, but doesn't get sacks. And that showed up against the Steelers last week in general. Uh, So, you know, defensive line linebackers, good, not great for the Bills. But I think that this Miami defensive line can be very good, could be very good and that the linebackers are very solid and much more consistent than the Bills linebackers. So I'm going to give it to Miami. Slight edge here. I like Jerome Baker. People talked about him being overpaid. I like him, though. I think I have to push back on your your impression of Matt Milano as being overvalued and not showing up on the game tape. I feel like he is the exact opposite. You know, he's a guy that the experts all said you should let Matt Milano walk in the offseason. I said they probably would because they've invested so much in Tremaine Edmonds and he was going to cost so much. 
but he's not a guy that gets crazy stats. He's just a chess piece for the Bills' defense that is critical. The way that he lined up against Najee Harris last week and can line up against tight ends and can move in the slot if he has to, that's a piece that the Bills' defense really needs because Tremaine Edmonds is athletic, but his size is more of his a dynamic tool. And he didn't grade out as well as most linebackers last year. He was like the 37th graded linebacker in the league, Matt Milano. But yeah, when you I watch know. the games, he's all over the tape. And last week, even at the stadium, it's a situation which we said we'd talk about that Steelers game a little bit more. But you noticed Taron Johnson making some huge plays last week. And, and I know you noticed uh, Tredavious White making some plays. Oh, there yeah. are a number of moments that you look and you say, who was that that just flew in there and made that play? And it's Matt Milano. So mm. I think he's a guy that is is more apparent the impact that he's making when you watch the game than after the game when you look at the stat sheet. But um, I would take Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds uh, absolutely, even though Tremaine Edmonds hasn't quite realized his potential yet, over the linebackers the Dolphins have in Jerome Baker. Um, Andrew Van Ginkle. I like Andrew Van Ginkle Roberts. a lot. Van Ginkle didn't have a great game, but he's overall very solid. I, I get what you're saying, but I feel like Matt Milano and any player, really, if you watch football, you can have your kind of viewpoint on this player. And as you watch the game, you will see something that confirms your viewpoint. Right. So if I feel a little bit more on the negative side of Matt Milano and you feel more on the positive side, yeah, you're going to be noticing more the splash plays that he makes. But I was watching last week and again, I think for the third consecutive podcast, I can't remember exactly uh who it was but um i'll get it by next week for sure uh matt milano just took a bad angle and his like he's a small quick dude you hope because he's an undersized linebacker but he just got beat uh to the sideline hard and i was thinking see that's what would have happened if you let her to your point i don't remember that but i do remember a play where he released in zone coverage to chase down Najee Harris and save a touchdown, which forced a field goal. So yeah. that kind of thing, I remember. Um, but I, I have to say, I think you're probably in the minority among Bills fans, dude. Not a lot of yeah. people feel that way hey, about Matt Bologna. I'm fine, man. I'm fine over here. Got a lot of now space. Now you're throwing me for a loop because we've got this script that we set in stone for two <laughs> episodes. Yeah, that's what I really everything. wanted to do. I just wanted to get off script and see how you reacted. All well, right. Let's talk about this the secondary then. Yeah. Why don't you get us started there? Yeah, this is another one where um I'm gonna change it up, I guess. So I had originally given the edge to the Miami Dolphins because I think that Xavier Howard and Trey White very close. I do give the edge to Xavier Howard, but in my mind, Byron Jones is way better than Levi Wallace. And even though he had a rough year last year, Byron Jones, after signing a huge contract and pissing off uh, Xavier Howard in the process, uh, leading to a long holdout this offseason, I think that Byron Jones' second year in the system, he's going to be balling. And, um, you know, at safety, I do give the Bills the edge but I don't think it's as big an edge as you believe, Graham. Uh, I like Eric Rowe. I like Jason McCourty a lot. And I think that, you know, you keep talking about how old Jason McCourty is, but he's not that much older than Jordan Poyer, Poyer and Mike, Micah Hyde. But um, Eric Rowe's only 29, so he's not even in the 30 club yet. And then at slot corner, Jason, eh. 
Taron Johnson, uh, Nick Needle, they're more or less the same. Yeah, I'm going to probably say every week that the Bills have the best safeties in the league. Um, and once we come across a team where that's not true, you're welcome to tell me that. But with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde back there, I'm probably never going to give the edge to any other team's safety tandem. Jason really? McCourty is 34. You've made the point that he used to play cornerback and is now playing safety. That's not something that's going to win him any points in my book if he's switching positions, likely due to lack of speed. That's not a plus. So I give the edge to the Bills there with safety. Definitely Xavier Howard is their premier cornerback, and deservedly so. Ten picks last year, very impressive. I think Trey White is underappreciated as a number one cornerback in the league, um, and I would take Trey or Xavier Howard Toss up, whatever. They're a wash, in my opinion. Byron Jones should be better than he was last year and is better than Levi Wallace. But at the nickel position, the Dolphins are without an answer. They don't know what to do there. They drafted Noah Igbenogany last year to be a premier cornerback. Didn't even play in the game last year. So they've got this guy, Nick Needham, an undrafted 2019 um, rookie, rookie from 2019. And we've got Taron Johnson, who played great last week. And I've said a lot about Taron Johnson that I think he's unreliable and probably their biggest weakness on defense, but he was not last week. So I take the Bills there at the nickel position, and I think that really, ultimately, the only edge the Dolphins have is that difference between Byron Jones and Levi Wallace. And I think the Bills more than make up for that difference in their safety tandems uh, and in their nickel cornerback option. So give me the Bills in the secondary. All right. All right. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, to push back, though, against the uh, Jason McCourty slam, I would say, you know, Charles Woodson, um, Troy Vincent, even Devin McCourty. What do these safeties have in common, Graham? They started their careers as heady cornerbacks. So I think that, you know, to me, it's a good sign that Jason McCourty just made the switch to safety because that means that he was up until he was 34 years old, athletic enough to get it done at cornerback. And he's a super smart player. He knows the uh, system that they run down in Miami. And I feel like he could be a really great back end kind of guy. So you forgot to name Aaron Williams in that list, which is upsetting. Yeah. Well. Don't know what to say about that. You you still hate Jarvis Landry, don't you? Definitely hate Jarvis Landry. Hmm. One of the biggest pieces of crap in the league. Off the top of my head, I don't think I can think of anyone in the league who I hate more. Really? Okay. I'm going to come up with a yeah, list we'll next week of players. Good. Let's you could... write down everyone we hate. That's a healthy yeah. exercise. Yeah, it is. And put it's... the girl from Green Room on there. Um, special teams we still have to talk about Yeah, who's got the edge at special teams I mean every time we do this we can talk about kicker we don't know anything about punters <laughs> um, but maybe return guys too so I'm glad I'm not the only one who, who noticed that like we we would talk I think you even mentioned long snapper in the first version <laughs> of this podcast but we totally skipped punting both times um, but yeah I mean obviously I'm going to give the Bassmaster the edge over Jason Sanders here. Um, and I like Isaiah McKenzie as a return guy more than I like Jakeem Grant. So, and punting, I don't know, is equal. So, 
I'm going to give it to Maybe the... there's something to talk about with punter this week because Matt Hack was the Dolphins punter last year. So oh, clearly whoa. they didn't want him. Yeah, anymore. good point, bro. That's, oh, man, I didn't even think about that revenge game. Right, revenge game for Matt Hack. Hawk. <laughs> Hack. Hack. <laughs> okay, so give the Bills the edge because we got Tyler Bass and he hasn't missed a kick since the year flipped. Yeah. So, uh, Bills win. And then coaching? Oh, coaching, uh, rough week one aside, I'm going to give it to the Bills. Um, I think Dayball is as bad a game as he had week one. Um, I'm going to give it to him over the two-headed monster that is the Miami offensive coordinator tandem. Yeah, they haven't proven anything yet. And uh, I think that between McDermott and Frazier, there is some stability there. They've yeah. proven themselves. Um, and obviously, Brian Dable has been talked about as a premier head coach candidate over the past two seasons. But he had an off week last week. So, um, you know, we'll cut him some slack, give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he'll bounce back this week and, and prove that this offense can be as explosive as it was in 2020. How do you think that works with two offensive coordinators? They have Eric Studsville and George Godsey. And, like, I think one of them is presumably run game. The other one's passing game. But how does that work? Like, who's calling the plays? Who's the the alpha in that room? I think they take turns. One guy calls first down. Other guy calls second down. Next guy oh. calls third down. Or maybe it's like a good cop, bad cop. There's like a, you know, a nice guy offensive coordinator who you go to oh, if you nice. just got screamed at by the mean guy defensive coordinator. <laughs> nice. I'm sure it's a model that other teams are going to be following. I think they both shortly just, on their heels. They both just fl- fight over the play call sheet uh, the entire game, and Brian Flores has to play like the parent, like share with your brother, you know. And so they have to eventually play nice and stuff. But for the most part, I think right. rock paper scissors too plays a big role. They're breaking some ground, the Dolphins, with the uh, the coaching staff development. I don't know if this we'll is the first time this has happened in NFL history, though. No. No, I can't off the top of my head remember who the other team was, but I'm pretty sure that there has been co-offensive coordinator. It could have been a thing, though, where it was like an old guy grooming a young guy. Ooh, that sounds not good uh, in 2021. <laughs> okay, moving on, Graham. Do you remember one point, though? It's an office quote from Oscar Nunez. Yeah. I remember him commenting on how ridiculous it was that the office had two managers simultaneously. No. He said, it doesn't take a genius to know that every organization thrives when it has two leaders. (laughs) Go ahead. Name a country that doesn't have two presidents. A boat that sets sail without two captains. Where would Catholicism be without the popes? (laughs) (laughs) Throw the Miami Dolphins on that list. I remember that because he's so deadpan when he says it. Oscar Nunez, great character. (laughs) Yeah. Underrated. All right. Let's talk then about uh, the rest of the league, and we'll make our survivor picks here uh, before signing off. So this is the second time we've done this. Hopefully we remember who our picks were. Um, and I was saying, going into this week, that there are a lot of opportunities for teams that shouldn't have gotten a loss week one to bounce back, right? This, mm. The Packers got torched week one. That was totally unexpected. The Bills lost week one. Not a lot of people saw that coming. The Titans Another team that got really uh, upended and in a big way, and the offense just didn't perform the way that they were supposed to. But the one that I'm going to go with here is the Cleveland Browns, who played a great game, minus one special teams play against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they've got an opportunity at home to host the Houston Texans to go to 1-1. One one. So give me the Browns in week two. 
Whoa, nice intro, Graham. Really nice. Thanks. Well, huh. it's the third time we've done it, so I've had some time to polish this up. That's true. Well, um, at the very least, I remember this time who I picked. So um, good. I'm going to go with the Broncos this week. Oh, my God, but I forgot who they play. No, they play the Jaguars. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, so the Broncos looked really good week one. Their defense was exactly what everybody had been talking about. And Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater, looked really good um, managing that offense filled with a lot of weapons. And the Jaguars, man, geez, they made Tyrod Taylor look like an all-pro quarterback. And the Texans team looked like, I don't know, for some reason when I was watching the Texans team and like all the old guys subbing or yeah subbing in at running back and stuff like that and who they were throwing to it was a constant kind of like oh yeah he's still playing or oh that's where he went kind of you know like remembering yeah. where some of these guys were um yeah it's a lot of veterans for a team right. that seems like it should be rebuilding it's a very old roster it's a lot of old guys i read an article on the athletic about this a lot of old guys on like one year deals right yep it reminds me i don't know if you remember um, the Raiders under John Gruden had a crap yeah, ton. Now. Yeah. <laughs> the original Raiders run of John Gruden, he had a crap ton of really old dudes. Uh, he had Jerry Rice when Jerry was like 38, Tim Brown, Rich Gannon. It was one of those things where uh, I remember playing Madden 2004, I think it was, and John Gruden's the coach of the Raiders. And if you go through franchise mode, at the end of year one, running the Oakland Raiders franchise, half their team retires because it was just filled with dudes who were like older than yeah. 35. Yeah, that's going to be this year with the Texans for sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, Jaguar, yeah, but this isn't about the Texans. This is about how bad the Jaguars looked. Um, Trevor Lawrence did look overmatched, but I think that's, you know, people have said eh, it's no different than when Peyton Manning came into the league and threw 28 interceptions as a rookie. Uh, there's going to be a lot of growing pains for Trevor, but I don't think it's going to be easy for him to face down the vaunted Broncos defense in that pass rush. So I'm definitely locking in the Denver Broncos. I think it's a safe bet, um, and you currently have the edge because your 49ers did win week one, just like you predicted, but mm. because I picked the Bills in week one, I start with an L. The way this works is we each get three strikes. If you get three of these wrong, then you're out. Um, so what happens? A bad if, start for me. Yeah, I was gonna say, what happens if, like, after three weeks, after three weeks, you strike <laughs> out, and we just have to end? Like, what do we do? We just end this uh, segment, or do I just keep going with you looking on like a kid watching his friend eat ice cream? <laughs> yeah, exactly that. You keep getting okay. to make your picks, but I don't. Great. Talk. That's Great. how it works. Okay, sounds good. All right. All right. Uh, last thing that we should talk about here is the European League of Football. Briefly, the championship game will be next hmm. weekend. Uh, yeah. So we're going to cover that between the Hamburg Sea Devils and the Frankfurt. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Third time, Graham. Galaxy. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, so championship game next week. But at that time, the league will be over. So we'll switch our coverage at the end of these episodes. Our final segment will be... UB football coverage, that's Division One MAC football. Uh, both of us went to the University of Buffalo. So um, UB took a hard loss yesterday, lost by three to the 16th-ranked team in the country, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. 
Such a and, great uh, name. Next week, they get a nice, easy matchup against Old Dominion. So after all that's done, then the Mac games will start being played, and then that'll be sort of interesting to talk about. So uh, for those of you who are fans of the Mac, we're going to get into that in the end of our episodes moving forward. Right. Right you are, Graham. Um, it would be interesting if uh, we could get some press passes. I tried to get a press pass for the European League of Football Championship game. I couldn't, so I just said screw it, and I flew back to the States for a quick visit. But maybe uh, one of us could get a press pass to the Bulls games, you know, sit in those luxury boxes and uh, see what sights we can see. <laughs> I may have that opportunity uh, Oh yeah. Year. Because we've got family who are connected oh, in other that. aspects of the MAC or other destinations within the MAC. So actually, last year I got to watch one of the UB games from a box, and it was in the box next to Khalil Mack because it was the Bears' off week. And I went over, look and at you, said, said hey, yeah, that was pretty cool because his brother was playing for UB at the time last year, so that's why he was there. So eat the rich uh, people, eat the rich. <laughs> that does it for our emergency pod uh, i know that it's not as much coverage as as we normally would give but next week we'll make up for that in our episode in the middle of the week yeah sounds good graham i'm excited i'm excited to hopefully witness a big bills win oh shoot speaking of before we leave predictions score predictions oh yeah kickoff is in what three hours here um, yeah so i'm gonna stick with my prediction from the first two episodes i don't want to go off script I think the Bills are going to put up 34 on the Dolphins, um, and the Dolphins will manage to get like 16 points. So give me the Bills, 34-16. All right. Uh, I got the Bills 28-10 oh, this game. You're I just think that, changing. Yeah, why not? You're throwing me for a loop. Yeah, man. If these I mean, first two episodes ever resurface, we're going to publish them, and then you'll be able to see how inconsistent Eric has My been. feelings change with the days, Graham, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Um, All right. I just feel better about the, uh, well, no, I don't feel better about the Bills defense. I feel worse about the Miami offense as we go on. So yeah, 10 points for Miami. Go Bills. Fair point. All right, go Bills. We'll talk to you guys in a few days to cover the Washington week, but otherwise, uh, tune in, find our episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and a review. Uh, anything else you want to add? Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Bills. All right, later, man. See ya.